Welcome to episode 45 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman, joined by Matt Deitch, the same as every other one for the last 44 episodes. But, yep, you're stuck with us 43. Again. I was gone one. That's yeah, right, Stu, Stu the noob. Big Stu. Yeah, no, yep, so, yep, 45. <laughs> uh, we got a really cool episode today. Uh, right. Darren Troseth uh, with Three Rivers Fishing Adventures up in uh, Jordan, Minnesota, uh, we're talking big fish. We are talking big fish, I like mean, the biggest fish. Right, like lay down beside them, and they're still bigger than you. Right. No, Darren. Uh, Darren actually holds the the record for the biggest sturgeon uh, caught in Minnesota, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know, possibly the biggest fish ever caught in Minnesota. We'll have to ask yeah, it's him. It's gonna but, be interesting to to find out. Right. So yeah, well. Uh, We'll get right over to him because you don't need to hear us talk. Hey, Darren, you there, man? I sure am. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, for the listeners, uh, we're here today with Darren Troseth, uh, the owner of Three Rivers Fishing Adventures up in, where are we, Jordan, Minnesota? Yeah, I'm actually located in Jordan, and uh, as the name says, I do three rivers. So I do the uh, Minnesota River, uh, the Mississippi River, and St. Croix River, so it's basically the kind of covers the southern metro area so right on so then you're not too far out of minneapolis no not at all in fact uh i kind of say i'm in minneapolis because i basically drive through there most of the time getting to my spots so um yeah basically metro very cool um well set the stage for us darren now where did you grow up and how did you get into fishing so I grew up on Lake Vermilion, which a lot of people are familiar with in Minnesota. It's a pretty popular lake, especially uh, I see the uh, new muskie record was caught there the other day. They just uh, they just certified it yesterday, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. anyways, yeah, I grew up on Lake Vermilion, and uh, my family fished quite a bit. My grandfather mainly um, would t- I'd just go live um, out at his place on his cabin there on the lake, and we'd fish every day. And uh, from the time I could walk, I basically fished every day with him, so that really set the stage for me. Very cool. Uh, what what species did you target early on? <clears throat> it was all walleye. It, that's basically the only thing my grandpa wanted to catch was walleye, so we would just go, and every morning we'd just go out and drift across the bay and get some walleyes. Cool. I've never been up to Vermilion, and it seems like it would be a great place to fish. Everybody that talks about it just talks about the diversity of it. Yeah, there's uh, there's really nothing bad to say about Vermilion other than you know the popularity lately. It's uh, it's really expanded since I've been up there, but uh, it's still a great lake. It's I believe it has the most shoreline in the whole state. It's not the biggest lake acreage wise, but has most shoreline, so lots of places to get away from the wind and away from people if you want to. Right now, well, like you said, you you started off on walleyes, uh, but you've moved on to some bigger fish. Uh, Tell us about Three Rivers Fishing Adventures and the species you target. <clears throat> so there were, I couldn't really find much for work up there when I lived up on the Iron Range up there. So I ended up moving down here to try to find some work and uh, ended up moving to Shakopee, which is right next to the Minnesota River. And uh, I had never been introduced to catfish or anything. And I was fishing, you know, on the, the local lakes around here, just go down to the the docks and the piers and, and fish for bass and pike or whatever I could catch. And, and one day I had some sucker minnows with, I was pike fishing and they kind of died on me. And, and someone mentioned I should go try down by the river for some catfish down there. And I thought, well, why not? I never tried it before. So I kind of, um, 
did a little research on some short spots I could fish. This was kind of before Google Maps and everything, you know. I just kind of walked down bike trails and stuff and found a spot I thought might be good. And um, I threw out some dead sucker minnows, and I actually ended up catching like a 45-pound cat that first time within 20 minutes. <laughs> and after that, I was done for, you know, yeah. after I had that fish. <laughs> I broke my rod, fat. and I was up to my thighs and mud, and, <laughs> you know, I was just shaking. <laughs> so that, that, that was done for after that. Yeah. So now what are some of your favorite techniques to use when targeting catfish like that? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, catfishing is pretty much, you know, bottom fishing. I mean, it's, there's not a whole lot of special techniques. Uh, when we're doing these flatheads, though, I mean, we're using a lot of live baits, live bullheads, live sucker minnows. Uh, we're mainly targeting current seams, creek mouths, um, drop-offs. Um, that, you know, we're just going out after dark and, and sitting and waiting. You know, it's it's not a whole lot of uh, active targeting, I guess. it's That's kind of the reason I like it. I kind of just go out to relax more than uh, making it a job, you know? Right. <laughs> Now, is this something you do full-time then, or, or do you have another I job? I do not. No, I, I work a full-time job at a medical device company. I'm a R&D technician uh, making medical devices, I guess. Okay. So, yeah, this is more of a part-time thing. I started this about four years ago. Um, there was one guy uh, around the area that was doing catfish and sturgeon, and uh, he retired here recently, and I thought it might be a good opportunity, since no one else was doing it, to get in and and start doing the guiding thing. And I really got a nice little show for my wife to go get my captain's license and everything. So without her, I might not have done it. So right I on. thank her for that. Yeah. Very cool. So now like with the catfish and everything, are they, what makes them such a nocturnal feeder? It seems like they bite better at night like that, especially the flatheads. I think a lot of it has to do with the light conditions. Um, it's not so much on the Minnesota river cause the water's so dirty. I mean, you can catch them throughout the day, um, but they're definitely, uh, you know, predators, and they don't have much for sight, so they're just built for, you know, dark, dirty water and low-light conditions, and they they can, uh, you know, capture their prey a lot easier in those low-light conditions, so I think that's the biggest thing. Now, you also do sturgeon. That That is also a nighttime bite, too, correct? It is, and... And honestly, it's not necessarily a nighttime bite. I tell people that you can catch them throughout the day. I know a lot of people who do. I catch them myself during the day. In fact, I uh, did do a trip here a couple weeks ago during the day, and we we caught plenty of fish. Um, mostly, I do it at night because the wind is a huge factor when catching these fish, detecting bites. Uh, they bite so light. Uh, in, in the windy conditions, it's really hard to detect the bites. So I try to time my trips when the, the wind dies. And when the, the boat traffic dies, I don't know if either of you have been on the St. Croix River, but it's uh, it's probably the most recreated body of water in the metro area. So it's just a circus out there. <laughs> I don't think I, I've, I've never been up to the St. Croix. I've been by it, but I've never fished on it before. Yeah, it's uh, it gets like my earlier trips in September when there's still a lot of big boats out there. I mean, it's it's almost to the point of being dangerous out there anchored you know, in the channel. Yeah. Now you've been doing a lot of sturgeon trips lately. Is this the type, uh, is this the time of year to be doing that? Or, or was it because of high water levels or, or, uh, I mean, is there a certain time of year that's better than others? Yeah, they really get active when the, I, I found when the water temp 
it's about 55. And from 55 right up till ice up is when they start getting really active. And uh, I'm not sure why that is. I think they are more of a cold water fish. Uh, some of the, the theories are, you know, that when the water turns over, it kind of, you know, allows those fish to go throughout the whole water column. Whereas during the summer, they might be a little more suspended. So, you know, we basically bottom fish for these, for bottom, you know, throw our bait on the bottom. So um, when the lakes or when the river stratifies, you know, it makes it easier. They're all over the place. So um, I think that's part of it too. Now, what, what species of sturgeon are these? These are lake sturgeon. Lake sturgeon. Okay. Yep. Now that's, we have, there's two species of sturgeon here that we have the lake sturgeon and the shovel nose. And I've never caught a shovel nose on the St. Croix. Everyone thinks when they catch a small lake sturgeon, they immediately think it's a shovel nose, but I have yet to see a shovel nose on the St. Croix. I have caught several on the Minnesota though. So, um, they're, they're pretty easy to tell apart. The, the shovel nose has a real skinny tail. As soon as you see the difference, it's pretty obvious. All right. Now you get flathead and, and I'm assuming some channel catfish. Do you ever get any blues up there or what catfish do you normally catch? It's all channels and flatheads. And until I see one, there's no blue cats in Minnesota. There's not been one confirmed blue cat in Minnesota. So if someone says they're catching blues, they're not. <laughs> they're catching big channels. Channel catfish, yeah. Right. They're all channel cats. You know, they see the color and they say, oh, this is a blue. There's There's no blue cats. There might, you know, they might catch a fluke one in a million, but there's, there's none here. Very cool. Now, uh, what, what does a catfish trip consist of? Uh, you know, what, if, if any of our listeners are, are thinking, you know, go on your Facebook page and see some of these monster catfish that you're catching, uh, what can they expect in a trip? So basically what I do is I try to gauge, you know, what, what their expectations are. If they're looking for, you know, big flatheads or numbers of fish, or perhaps even just channel cats. Some people just want to catch channel cats. But what I like to do is um, I'll go out and throw out a few different baits. I'll throw out a cut bait. I'll throw out a, a large live bait because I've cut monster flatheads on just a little piece of cut bait too. So uh, we'll go out and we'll just, uh, you know, hit five or six different spots and uh, try to catch some fish, I guess. Um, I, I, I would say a good night is probably 10 fish. Um, when we're targeting the big flatheads, you know, anything from, you know, three to five is probably a really good night. Um, they, you, we don't catch a lot of these big flatheads, so it's more of a waiting game. So that's why I like to keep a piece of cut bait out too, because we will catch channel cats within there too, just kind of to pass the time catching some fish. So, and mostly. But mainly it comes down to people's expectations, you know, what they're, what they're wanting to do. Some people just want to come out and catch a few, you know, so they're not really looking for the, the big flatheads. Right. Now, is that um, roughly the same as a sturgeon trip? Uh, you know, you, you obviously, uh, can, can you overlap the trips? I mean, do you ever do a catfish trip and a sturgeon trip? Do you catch sturgeon on a catfish trip often? How, how does that work? Uh, so what I do, I normally fish cats from like the end of May until September, September 1st. And that's when I switch over to sturgeon. So I kind of keep them separated. Um, the sturgeon are only on the St. Croix. And uh, there are very nice catfish out there, uh, but they're a little harder to target. So the consistency just isn't there. Um, so basically, once September hits, I just fish for sturgeon on the St. Croix. And any cats we catch out there is just a bonus. But we do catch some nice ones out there. I Earlier this year, I had a 
a guy with his 14-year-old son and his friend, and uh, we caught a 53-pounder out there with a, oh, um, just wow. on a worm fishing for a sturgeon. So <laughs> you just never know. Yeah, that's that's the fun thing about fishing in a river. You just never know what you're going to hook into, really. Yeah, the, out there on the St. Croix, it's really cool because there's basically everything that swims is out there. We've caught, you know, we've caught, uh, we catch a lot of mud puppies there. We catch, we catch eels. We catch, you know, sheephead drum. We catch, uh, you name it, we catch it. They're out there. So yeah, you we, just never know. We have a river that runs through town here. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody will catch a big flathead in there. Scott did a couple years ago. Uh, now we're starting to get a few sturgeon in our river here coming up from the missouri so that's kind of neat too that's really cool yeah that, it seems like they they are expanding and i know the minnesota dnr is is working pretty hard at stocking them in some new areas where they're native to which is really cool and uh as far as i know iowa doesn't have a any sort of season on sturgeon and it sounds like people are starting to catch them so hopefully your dnr looks into it and maybe allows you to start catching them down there yeah for sure now I saw on your Facebook page the other day that uh, uh, I believe one of your customers actually caught a tagged sturgeon. Is that pretty common? Yeah, I forget what the number is. I want to say it's uh, I want to say it's like a couple thousand fish they have out there tagged. Maybe I'm way high on that, but anyways, they they do have a large number, and uh, I'm I'm guessing I probably catch you know maybe a dozen a year on my trips. So it's really nice. You turn in your tag to the the uh, fisheries and they give you kind of the history of the fish where it's been how many times it's been recaptured and and uh just kind of fun little thing see how it's being managed now that one that you caught the other day that was from wisconsin correct yes yes how old was there's that? uh we've actually had a few different wisconsin tags and and they take them kind of up by taylor's falls and uh that one of them that a, that a friend of mine caught actually was caught a hundred miles away up in, in Yellow Lake, Wisconsin. So it, it basically traveled over two dams and a hundred miles to get where we caught it. So that was pretty cool. Uh -huh. How, how old are these fish? So a 40 inch fish, I believe is about 20 years old. I think 50 is probably like 30 years old and they start spawning at about that time, 40 to 50 inches. So they don't, they don't spawn until they're like 25 years old. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> And that's crazy. why there's such such uh, tight restrictions on them, you know, because they're, they're, it's a pretty fragile fishery. Right. Well, how about how about a big flathead catfish? What is, what's the age on something like that that's like a 50-pounder? I think, say, like a, a 40 to 50-pound flathead is probably about 20 to 25 years old, I think. They don't get quite as old. Okay. We are in kind of the, the far northern range of them, so they are older and slower growing than the the fish further south you know they get bigger a lot faster okay so it's another fishery that's that's kind of fragile and and i've i was part of a, a dnr workshop group <clears throat> that got a season put on them actually so in the winter time they actually hibernate it's it's not real hibernation but you know that's kind of what it's like they just go into their winter holes and they just lay dormant till the water warms up so they're really vulnerable if people you know, with underwater cameras and stuff, they can locate these fish and kind of cherry pick them if they want to. Hmm. Now so we kind of put a stop to that. Yeah. Now you're guiding, you do both open water and ice fishing, correct? Just open water. Okay, you just personally do do the ice fishing. That That isn't correct. Uh, with the guy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. I have had some interest in ice fishing, and 
and I've kind of tossed it around. Um, it's, I don't know, it's a little dicey because now you're responsible for taking people on the ice and what might not be best conditions. And um, it's a lot of work. Even when you're doing it personally, it's a lot of work. So Right, and you're talking um, about a river. It's still a possibility, so. but. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, speaking of ice fishing, uh, you know, I, I think uh, anyone who logged on to listen to this episode to hear you talk knew uh probably knew the history uh with the fish um tell us about that fish uh you you currently hold the catch and release record uh for the state of minnesota uh for the sturgeon yeah so that one was caught last year in february kind of late ice that's normally kind of a slow period uh, when we're when we're catching them that late in the season it seems like first ice is kind of the best when we get out there, but I kind of fish throughout the year. But anyways, uh, yeah, a friend of mine, we were out, and I think it turns out I, I was probably skunked a, a, a few nights leading up to that, so I didn't have a whole lot of expectations, just basically wanted to get out and do some fishing. And as it turns out, that was the only fish bite that we got all night. But, yeah, we hooked into a pretty big one. It was 78 <laughs> inches. Yeah. <laughs> so 78 inches, and and, and I, I don't know that you actually got a weight on it, but I, I think I read that you figured 120 pounds. Yeah, they do, they have a length girth chart. You know, there's some formulas you can do, and it's it's surprisingly accurate. I have weighed, you know, probably hundreds of these things just to kind of check it against the, the chart, and it's actually pretty accurate. It's probably within 10%. So, you know, somewhere, you know, something like that, 110 to 130, somewhere in there. So now when something like that bites when you're ice fishing, can you, like, do they bite hard or do they just kind of come up and grab it? And how do you, how can you really tell when it hits your, it hits your bait? So I think, I think bite detection, open water and ice fishing is probably the most critical thing for catching these fish. Cause so I've actually watched them on camera. They'll kind of hover over your bait, almost like a spaceship, you know, and they'll just suck it, suck your bait up. And sometimes they'll actually spit it out, suck it in and spit it out, almost like they're filtering, you know, what they're feeding on or okay. or maybe even just, you know, making sure they're not taking in rocks and stuff. But so when they're doing that, you see your rod just barely moving or your line twitching or through the ice. I like to just use a foam bobber and you just barely see the bobber twitching. And what I do then is I just I just lift and I feel if I feel weight. I just lift a little harder. Mm -hmm. There's, I use all circle hooks in the, in the open water and, uh, that they seem to work pretty well. You just give them pressure and they're hooked up and they get these rubbery lips. So they stay hooked up pretty well. Right. I I just thought maybe a lot of people would think a fish that weighs, you know, 120 pounds. It's like, you better have a hold of that rod when it hits because it's going to be going, but it does seem like they just be like a real light bite type deal. Yeah, there are times when you're not paying attention or it's windy and you got you got bow in your line. Um, they will take your bait and actually kind of hook themselves. All right. And then they swim away. Well, once they feel pressure, then they're taken off. Yeah. And your rod will, they will try to rip your rod holder off. So um, if you're not paying attention, that does happen. But um, for the most part, you want to keep a real close eye. I tell people I take out, I said, we have to be like ninjas. <laughs> watching our rod tips because if now, you don't get to it they're gone did you know instantly like whoa this is a special fish or or when they get to be that big do they all kind of feel the same at first or uh when i lifted up on it you can usually feel the weight i knew it was a big fish i had no idea it was you know the size it was until i actually seen it 
know, you're thinking the whole time, you know, there's, there's times when uh, it gets wrapped up around the tail, you know, so it kind of comes in unnatural kind of sideways or something. Um, but yeah, it, when I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> this fish is not coming through the holes we have drilled here. <laughs> take, take us, take us through the fight. How long did it take? I mean, you know, th- this isn't, so, you know, something that you set the hook on and, and just started pulling in. I mean, th- this had to take quite a, quite a period of time. Yeah. Initially, I think it took about 25 minutes to finally get it, um, to the, the bottom of the ice. And, you know, we're, we're using ice rods. I mean, they're custom made, but they're, they're a lot stiffer than a, they're, pr- I would, you know, compare to a lake tr- a heavy lake trout rod probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're using 50 pound line with a, I think I have a, I think it's a 2000 series reel, maybe 2,500. I take that back. It might be 4,000 at any rate. It's uh, basically a walleye reel. So yeah, it, the ice was about 20, I want to say it was like 26 inches thick on uh, that day. You know, so about 20, 25 minutes, we finally got it up to the bottom of the ice and I seen it. And, uh, we only had two drill holes drilled at that point. We normally drill three, but, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't drill that last third hole and I kind of regret it now, but at any rate, we just had the two there and I said, well, this ain't going to work. We're going to have to drill another hole. So we let the fish go back down and we drilled a third hole overlapping kind of in a triangle pattern. And we brought it back up, and and my friend's like, he's not coming. So, so at that point, I have a a drill set up, a hand drill with a with a K drill, and I was having issues with my battery. It just was kind of cutting out. So, I said, we have this Minnesota sturgeon fishing group that a bunch of people. We have, there's like two thousand members in that group. I said, ping that group and see if anyone's fishing tonight. And we'll just flash our light and they can come help us if they have like a, a 10, uh, 10 inch auger would be preferable. So, uh, yeah, he made a post and I'd say within five minutes, someone replied and said, we're coming over to help. So these guys came over, some guys we'd never met and introduced ourselves and they got to town drilling us two more holes. And it was funny because you don't realize how much slush is in these holes when you have 26 inches of ice until you're piling it right next to the holes with this huge mound of slush next to us, you know, and we had covered up a, a prior set of holes. And at one point I had actually fell in that hole fighting the fish and it was, it was a circus. I think all told it was about an hour and a half before we got the fish to the top of the ice. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. Basically I had to fight them three times. So, <laughs> so you had a total of five holes then? Yeah. Yep. And and that whole entire, well, not the whole entire video, but you have that up on uh, on YouTube, uh, most of the video, correct? Yeah, I think it's about 11 minutes long, the video. I So I cut out, you know, obviously quite a bit, but most of the fight is on there. The highlights of the fight is on there, basically what we went through. So, yeah, that uh, that video kind of took off. It's kind of fun to watch now. Go back and watch it. Pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, I'm glad I, mean, I captured it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because sometimes people don't believe you unless you have the video proof, and you right. do. And I also got a lot of a lot of grief about it too because I was using a a treble hook. First of all, people were giving me grief to using a treble hook at all, and uh, I kind of tell people when you're fishing straight up and down through the ice, the circle hooks just don't work like they're supposed to. They don't turn. Okay. So I just used uh, some beads and a treble hook and a egg sinker and uh i don't know so as we were fighting this fish 
the hook kind of it must have popped out or something so it was hooked kind of on the outside of the mouth and uh well people giving me grief about it being snagged and all this stuff but i know what i saw and it was hooked in the mouth at one point so right and there's no real way to snag the side of a fish if if yeah i mean through the ice yeah you're obviously not out there throwing a treble hook and jerking it back like you would in open water i mean uh, through the ice uh, it, it obviously right. went to bite and no matter I mean, that, that's that's how i understand snagging being you know kind of like paddle fishing or right. you know snagging carp below a dam or something but we're in i think we were in 36 feet of water with a with a foam bobber you know i just got it sitting there and we're staring at it so <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that's what we do so yeah. and no matter what you know that with how social media works everybody right. there's always going to be somebody that wants to have a negative comment or yeah i mean it is what it is um i just got to roll with it i guess <laughs> <laughs> well it's an incredible video that's for sure we watched it a bunch of times yeah <laughs> now is that is that the biggest fish ever caught in minnesota history i mean is that that's what i'm told and you know as far as i know it, it might be the biggest fish ever caught through the ice period <laughs> <laughs> well, a, I mean, we've hooked into some, but you know, they they got off. So yeah, yeah, yeah we let know. them break. Yeah. yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, we were. Oh, we could have broke that, but yeah. Now you you <laughs> held the record previously before that too, correct? Yeah. So they started this catch and release record. I want to say maybe six or seven years ago. So obviously there was a bar to be set, and uh, you know I was I'm kind of involved with a lot of stuff with the DNR and just a lot of social media stuff. I'm kind of engaged with all that. And I was really happy to see they did this. So obviously I wanted to, to make sure that we started getting some fish entered. So it was, it was one of the first ones entered that I got the record. So it was still cool to have it, but I knew it was going to get beat, which it did, you know, four or five times after that. Well, it was so, 67 inches, right? It was 67 inches. So it was a big fish. Yeah. But, that's no sound. Um, <laughs> <it's, laughs> But like I said, it did get beat three or four times after that, which is cool. I want to see this one get beat. I hope someone beats it. Yeah, that's that's the fun thing about the records. Now, now knowing what you know, it, I mean, do you believe that that record will be beat? I mean, do you believe that there's bigger fish down there yet? Oh, absolutely, for sure. Wow, I've seen pictures of some. I've seen pictures of eighty plus. Oof. So they're out there. <laughs> wow. Now take and that's what I tell. That's what I tell my you know my guests. I take out. I said, every single bite, the next bite could be a record. They're out there. Yeah, could you know, be and even one. if it's a hundred pound fish, the next bite could be a hundred pound fish. That's what's so cool. Yeah. Now what what's the process of declaring it uh, the state record with that catch and release formula? What what were the hoops that you had to jump through? Uh, uh, was the video important in that, or or how how does how does somebody do that? I think. Any anything you can provide to them helps. So I had the video. I had video showing the length. We had a tape measure out, you know, showing the the length from the nose to the tip of the tail. Uh, pictures. I I basically just bundled stuff up and and sent it to the DNR and uh, let them make their decision. So um, officially, I think you need at least a picture or video showing the length clearly. Um, you have to fill out the application. You have to have a witness sign it, and I believe that's about it. All right. Okay. So, but I'm really glad they're doing it. I'd like to see them expand it to more species because there's only uh, musky, I believe it's only musky, pike, flathead, and sturgeon at this point. So. Oh, really? 
Now, are you all catch and release on all your stuff that you fish? I am. uh, I will. If people want to catch or keep some small channels, I'm fine with that. And I've done that on my guide trips. Um, The thing with sturgeon, I I don't necessarily think harvest is bad for sturgeon, but it's actually pretty tough to to harvest one if you want to on the St. Croix because the, the slot is 60 inches and it's one per year per person. So it's like tagging a deer you get a tag you buy a tag it's like five dollars and uh it has to be 60 inches or bigger and you tag it and register it and uh you know just just the physical aspect of keeping a 60 inch fish is kind of difficult you know when you want to keep one so yeah, you, don't, you don't put one of them in the live well <laughs> right yeah you uh either toss it on the bottom of your boat or you know tie it up by the tail or something and, and yeah. drag it in or something but um no i i i much rather prefer just releasing them all. Now you mentioned uh, a tag there. Uh, it, it, say if me and Matt would decide to come up there, do we need to buy a tag just to target sturgeon, or that's strictly if we're going to keep one? You only need a tag if you're going to keep one. You, right. you can catch and release basically all year without a tag. So yeah, it's not needed. It's only if you want to keep one. And the season runs from, I believe it's June first through March first. There's a there's a period there where, uh, you know, they kind of shut it down for spawning. So, mm-hmm. now how much longer do you figure uh, your your guide season will go here with the open water on the sturgeon? When so does I'll it go right to ice. Up? Basically, the last day that I can go out, if people want to go out, I'll take them. So, it it's kind of a, a niche thing, hardcore thing. If people want to get out there and sit in front of a buddy heater out in the boat with their ice gear on, but uh, you're often rewarded quite well when you're out there late in the year because the big ones really put the feed bag on can a kid can a kid do this absolutely yep i like i said the other night i had uh, a couple of 14 year old 14 year olds um they were catching some nice ones i actually i got a trip coming up here a couple of 14 year olds booked a trip for themselves so (laughs) 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 i'm taking them out without any moms or dads or anything so (laughs) there's that'll be interesting there's some kids that know what they're doing yeah there is hope for the next generation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I thought it was pretty cool. I did. I did give. I did give his mom a buzz just to make sure everything was right. Good because that's, you know, you got to be <laughs> be cautious about that. You yeah, know, oh, yeah. the whole responsibility thing. <laughs> Where are you guys at? Yeah. We're out fishing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I don't have kids myself, so I don't know the whole protocol about taking other people's kids out. <laughs> <laughs> No, man, that's that's very cool, and we really appreciate you swinging in, uh, Darren. Uh, before we let you go, uh, you want to tell the listeners uh, how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you, social media, websites, uh, phone number, whatever you want to uh, put out there. Absolutely, I have a website. It's uh, Three Rivers Fishing with the number three Three Rivers Fishing Adventures dot com. I have a Facebook page with the same name, Three Rivers Fishing Adventures. Um, like I said, there's a, there's a sturgeon fishing group, Facebook group you can join. There's a lot of activity there talking about the, the sturgeon stuff. And uh, there's also a catfish group. Um, good place to get some resources. Uh, my number, I can give you my phone number, 612-247-1579. Uh, feel free to give me a call and book a trip. Uh, it's, the schedule's pretty tight for the rest of the year, but I do have some availability. There's a calendar on my website, so it shows all the open days. 
Very cool. Right. We, nice. We we need to get up there and give that. Yeah, a shot yeah I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, catch a catch. Well, not as big as me. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> tall, taller than me, just not as round as me. So. What's really cool is that the, the the first fish people usually catch with these sturgeon is usually the biggest fish they've ever caught. So, right. and it, it's pretty consistent. We get you know, I've had twenty plus fish nights out there, and it's generally five to ten, but. Uh, we get a lot of them sometimes. I think the most I've caught is, you know, 60 to 70 in a night. So wow. it, it gets pretty crazy. Wow. Might have to take work off for a few days after that yeah. right. to rest up. <laughs> Chiropractors get business off you. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah, like we said, we really appreciate you swinging in. Uh, that That is a, a two species that we've never covered here on the Midwest Angler Podcast. And, and I mean, to, to be talking with a guy who possibly caught the biggest fish ever through the ice and and the biggest fish in a in a state like minnesota that's really a fishing state that is that is amazing so well i appreciate you thinking about me and if you're ever in the area give me a shot we'll get you out there you bet definitely i appreciate it thanks a lot man thank you take care see ya and that was darren troseth with three rivers fishing adventures up in jordan minnesota crazy crazy i absolutely crazy that's that's the only word that that can describe uh what mass chaos in that fish house when he caught that one. Oh yeah yeah if, if you guys have not seen the video go on youtube check it out uh i don't know what the actual video is called but uh i know his handle is d tro fish on and it's d t r o fish on no spaces detro fish on and and it'll be the first one that comes up i mean this this thing's been viewed a lot of times right it's worth watching it it is it is and i mean i can't imagine having like while you're fighting a fish and having other people drill holes next (laughs) to the holes that you have if that thing switches directions you're done right it just and you know that that you know the caliber of that fish that's down there insane absolutely insane i just when the first time they get it up to the ice i I don't know what i'd do if i hooked into something i think that i was hooked to the the bottom of the ice right and then he said he said he dropped a leg in in one of the holes too like oh my god i mean there's there's stuff flying everywhere there's people everywhere there's oh man you're battling the biggest fish ever caught in the state of minnesota what a freaking mess and when you start pulling that thing out of the hole when they do start pulling the thing out of the hole it just never ends it's just like (laughs) you know like one person grabs and like pulling it up and another one and then another it's like a whole assembly line of people and this fish just keeps coming and coming and coming yeah it's like an anaconda is that thing ever gonna quit oh man no but yeah i mean just awesome i mean we've both caught flatheads before and you know we used to i used to go up on trips with my dad and some of his friends up to the minnesota river and we've caught some big ones up there i mean just the flatheads too sometimes they you get lost with his accomplishment of catching that big sturgeon that the the amount of big catfish that he catches too i mean definitely check him out if you're if you want something different i mean that's the place up there too. it is yeah Uh, He's Man. always on the fish. Right. I, yeah, I think that's the place, and he's the guy. I'm, right. I'm telling you that right now for free. Uh, no, we actually, last February when he caught that fish, uh, me and Matt had messaged him, and that, that was shortly after we started the podcast, and at that point in time, we didn't have the whole phone interview deal. Right. And uh, we were going to drive up there to Jordan, Minnesota. He had agreed to uh, sit down and talk with us, and, and we were pumped. And what was it? Two weekends in a row, it was just flat out blizzards. Yeah. And it was like, 
golly, we can't get up there. And, and then, you know, it, it kind of goes by and, you know, we still got to do episodes and, and the buzz dies down or whatever. But yeah, he, he's definitely somebody who's been on our radar for a long time. Like, Hey, we need to get this guy because, and, and it's, and it's just such a different topic. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, we talk walleyes, you know, we talk bass, no one, no well, one. You don't hear a lot of guys that guide for catfish or sturgeon right i mean let alone both of them and uh you know most of the guys around here they're guiding for you know if you want to go fish a catfish i'm sure they would you know fish for them but usually it's you know the panfish the walleyes the bass things like that but you know to be able to go do something like that different species and different techniques it's it's always fun because we we talk about it all the time that we're we love catching any fish oh, anywhere yeah. so yeah so it, definitely if you're in looking give him a give him a call look him up on his website and book a trip you bet all right matt well i got something for you oh i i, I want to ask you a question here ask me i'm in the hot seat do i get any lifelines can i phone a friend no th- this is a simple question i don't it's, think it's i'd just... be able to phone any friends because you're sitting right here i don't know if i ever i don't have much any other friends so yeah well, you you can call me you, now yeah. that now that Darren ain't on the line. You can call me and ask me. I got a I got a question here. Would you ever use a term in fishing about the fish you're catching that has a definition of to kill a person or animal in a violent way? What are, what do you mean? Like we're slaughtering the fish or what? slay slay the fish slay the fish slay all day uh, i don't know if i would say is, slay is that i i mean i've i've used the term i've I think used I the have term too. I, I think everybody has we're slaying but, them yeah you know oh yeah i went out and slayed the fish we've also I mean, said we're murdering them <laughs> but i i just feel like the word slay in the fishing industry really i mean especially in the last year or two has really come on popular. Like, I, right. I mean, whenever anyone goes out there and catches a lot of fish, they're always using the term slay. slay. And, and I mean, I, I'm not going to throw this company under the bus, but, I mean, there are companies in the fishing industry that are slayer. I mean, th- I think that there's even a, tor- t- a tournament organization right now with the word slayer in it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just like, I, I, it, when I finally looked at the a... definition, it was like, whoa wow yeah i think that we'd be surprised at like some of the terms that we use sometimes that if we actually really looked up the definitions it's kind of like yeah maybe i wouldn't do that and you know us as conservationists and everything like that too sometimes we got to be careful of the words that we pick so that like people that are against say fishing or hunting you know they they can kind of jump on those keywords sometimes and, well, that, and just keep going after it and picking, you know, like we sit here and say, well, we're not out here to kill the fish and stuff like that. But when we're like using terms is like slaying or murdering or right anything like that, then I guess I can see. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be that guy, you know, I, I, I don't want to, but like you said, you know, uh, hunting especially, but it's getting to be even fishing now. Oh yeah. You, you know, see PETA all over fishing stuff and harassing fishermen and stuff like that that it's you know it hurts the fish and they have feelings and all this stuff so what do you think fish is feeling when you my my thumb (laughs) (laughs) on the bottom of his lip is lip is a big old bass (laughs) 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 that's what it's feeling 
I know what I'm feeling. Yeah, plain and simple. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to cause them less as least amount of pain as possible. I'm just come on, just come on into the boat. Don't fight so hard. How many times have you had a conversation with a fish? A lot. When when you get it in <laughs> and and it's flopping around and you're just trying to unhook it, and most of the time you're even on a catch and release deal. It's like, dude. Just sit still no, so I, I can kinda, unhook you and right. I'll throw you back in. I, I kind of tried to use the whole Barry White thing. I kind of go just kind of like, yeah, just calm down, baby. Just, yeah, relax. You know, talk sweet to him. Kali, when you say you love to fish, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Sorry about just, that, Emily, but uh, just chill. I feel like I'm like aiding in a, in, in a, it depends what it is. Depends what kind of fish it is. If it's like a bullhead or something like that, then this calm. <clears throat> then then you're a little. Then I'm a little more okay, stern little with them. Stern, and, you right. know, they got those catfish sometimes too. They got things that can stab you and yeah, you got northern with, with the teeth and the gill plates. They need to just those northern sometimes. They just need to calm down and just relax a little bit. It's like come on now, fellas and ladies, just chill out. We'll get you back in the water. Me and you have been doing pretty good with the northerns on on just getting them up to the top of the water and just, just kind, kind of, of giving like them a little slap, slack slack and, line and boom they're gone pop them off and it's like yeah oh god they stink <laughs> oh well that's how they do it and then all this this getting slime and yeah yeah but yeah i know what you're saying there with the words and the you know the keywords i don't know like i, I don't want to be a sensitive guy like that's not what well, i'm it's after not, but well you're just, sensitive no matter what i mean it, oh for feelings sakes, you were the one that was like just that. caressing up fish yeah no i was talking sweet to him you gotta talk <laughs> sweet to him sometimes yeah, just whip yeah. out the inner berry white just to calm him down yeah <laughs> You know what? This after Darren got off the phone, this uh, episode really went off the. You rails. brought it up. <laughs> I did. Remember that? You're My the bad. one that wanted to talk My about. Bad. I think we're gonna do a do over slaying them. Outro. So slaying them. All righty. Well, that's episode forty-five. Sorry we'll that we lost We'll keep slaying the there. episodes. <laughs> All righty. We are out of here. See ya.